0: God builds his church by bringing you uh, amazing, amazing people to come and be a part of your church. And um, he brings people with just incredible different parts of his heart. And as they come together, you grow a picture of the fullness of God's heart, actually, as as you come together as a body. And God has brought us here at Freedom Church, some incredible people. Really has. You've got Barry and Ruth who constantly challenge us about going out to the poor with their lives and the sacrifices they've made to reach out into those difficult places within Liverpool. We've got Dave and Anne here actually and Dave's heart for the deaf community and actually the gospel reaching the deaf community. Do you know what? Till I met Dave, that was never on my heart. But actually as you start to see, the world through Dave's eyes, you start to see some of God's passion to reach the deaf community. And when you come in contact with Kathy, you start to get such a vital part of God's heart. You start to see it. you start to grasp it. When you hear the stories of open doors, we start to learn about His love for those people who are suffering because of their love for him, the persecuted church. And I just wanted to uh, just put a full stop, really, this morning on what Kathy said. Just just by going back to the Bible to try and stress the importance of this focus on the persecuted church in God's heart and for us going forward this morning. So, if you can, this morning, I just want to spend 10, 15 minutes, more like twenty, knowing myself, <laughs> but I'm going to give you false hope there. <laughs> and if you who are already flagging, just have a little wriggle in your chair. Could you turn to Exodus uh, one six to twenty two? I just want to go back to a point in the history of God's people that I think really stresses um, the importance of this part of God's heart for us to grasp that Kathy's just bringing us today. And I'll give you a second, but we're we're time pressed. So if you're not there yet, you should know your Bibles better. <laughs> Nothing like a bit of condemnation to get a preach going. <laughs> lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramesses, something like that. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad, And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel so that they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard surface in mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sippara. And the other, Pruah, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives fear God and did, do not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. But let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. I I like the fact that he bought that, by the way. That's such a male thing, isn't it, just to buy that. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. What is going on here? Do you know, this part of God's history occurred between uh, two of the greatest leaders in the Old Testament and two of the, the greatest moves of God in the Old Testament to intervene and save his people. On one side we have Joseph. Who, uh, saved his entire family from the famine who God raised up wonderfully within Egypt to be governor over all Egypt, to bring his people into Egypt where they could grow and multiply. On the other side, we have the great rescuer Moses, don't we? Who, where God heard the cries of the people in this situation, then Moses stepped in and he brought them out to be a people in their own right. Wonderful, miraculous stories. But here, in this moment, they are suffering. Here, what we see is simple and stark. We see that, actually, as one, I don't know if this is helpful, actually, but as one kingdom, God's kingdom of the Hebrew people, begins to grow within another kingdom that is not following God, Egypt, fear and persecution come to oppose that growth. So just like these arrows, you've got one space that's growing and the other one starts to squeeze down on it as it sees that growth fearfully. Just an illustration. So as God's people grew and advanced, the Egyptians who had previously been welcoming and tolerant became afraid that the Hebrews would be a threat to their way of life. And as a result of this, the Egyptians start to very purposely oppress God's people, to try and stop their numerical growth, to break their spirits, to squash their faith and confidence as a people. And we see in this passage, they use a number of tactics to achieve this that mirror so many of Kathy's stories. First, they, they deliberately take away their freedoms and quality of life as citizens. They enslave them and put them into backbreaking forced labour, into essentially prison fat camps. We read in verse 14 that they did this ruthlessly. Ruthlessly, without any care for their humanity. Imagine just one day you were a free man in this country, or woman. You were educated, you had a job, you were able to vote, build a home, a life. You were talking about what holiday you were going to go on next. Then suddenly, suddenly the government changed because people became afraid of you, intolerant of you. And forced you into slave labour. That's what happened in this moment. Then beyond this, when this didn't work, the Egyptians ordered that all the male babies born be killed. To destroy the growth of this nation. To destroy its military might. To crush it. And its future. Here we see as God's kingdom advanced within another kingdom, the worst of humanity was brought out against them. And this story teaches us a couple of really key things. Firstly, and very simply, persecution is a part of Christianity. Do you know, one of the great dangers of our Christianity growing up in a Western context, in a Western church, is that we lose this understanding of the Christian faith. That wherever God's kingdom grows, within a kingdom not following him, in some form, fear and persecution will come to oppose that growth and undermine the spirits of believers. Wherever pushing out of the kingdom occurs, pushing back will happen. And it's a danger because if we do not understand this, then when persecution comes, it is effective. at stopping us living out God's love and delivering his message in all walks of society. Do you know, we've we've just heard so many uh, stories about persecution around the world. I just want to draw our eyes back to the UK very briefly. Although it's not violent, Or death, actually persecution, this pushing back, still exists. I was going to say, does that ruin the when you've (laughs) got jingle bells in the background? (laughs) Look, it's not as violent. I want to give it a word, though. I think it's shame. Shame. You should be ashamed for being a Christian. You should be ashamed. I think increasingly in our culture, it's a culture where people are publicly shamed. Either to liberally step out of, or they step out of liberal boundaries of thinking, don't they? Of what's okay and what's not okay. Or they make mistakes. You get Twitter that convicts, don't you? Papers smear, and we judge harshly those who fall from pedestals. And we shoot people down who have non-conforming beliefs amongst friends and family. There's no way back for them. And increasingly in this culture, we see Christians in public places shamed for trying to work out their belief in these forums. And a fear grows of being a Christian There becomes this pushing back of culture, doesn't there, against that Christian kingdom of God. What's happening? Well, The kingdom's growing in a kingdom that doesn't follow Jesus. And shame is a form of this pushing back and persecution. And I think we've got to name it to disempower it as well. So now how do we process, though, these realities? Do you know that persecution is real? Do we give up? See, Christian is outdated. No, I want to say what passages like this Exodus one teach us is that right from the beginning, right from the very roots of God's plan to redeem this world by growing a people and a kingdom within it that affect it, persecution like this is shown to be expected. This world will kick back against God's kingdom. As we profess our faith, we will be shamed. (laughs) There will be violence and there will, as we look in a wider context, be martyrdom. People who die because of their faith, like the story of that nine-year-old boy today. Do you know, Global Mission stats show that in 2002, 164,000 Christians died because of what that boy did, because they professed their faith. And by 2025, they estimate it will be 210,000 people per annum dying for that very same reason. Because they're part of God's kingdom and they're willing to say so. As Kathy has already said, oh no, you didn't read this one actually. Jesus put it like this, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. John twenty twenty one. Do you know why is this morning so important? Point one, Kathy's heart and the work of Open Doors are so important in keeping us alive to the truth that our faith will involve persecution. Not letting us have a soft, fake version of Christianity that lets us grow soft and fake. When we build God's kingdom, kingdoms that don't know God will kick back. Secondly, secondly, this passage teaches us One of the key things about this is that God is made known in persecution. Just want to draw your eye to verse 12 here, which says this, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. Do you know, whenever I chat to Kathy about stories of persecution in the world, so often the word that accompanies this is revival. Persecution, revival. She will say things to me like, Horrible things are happening to Christians in Iraq, Matt. Do you know this? Horrible things. But they really know God. They really know Him and His love. And a revival is also breaking out there. Do you know? And what we see in this verse is that actually, this is what we should expect to accompany persecution. That as we stand fast in these times, persecuted times of kingdom advancement, he blesses those people who are enduring in it. With his presence, with his life, with his growth, that the blessing of his presence will come and secure us and carry us through even the worst persecution that comes. Do you know, There was a guy called Jim Patton who was a missionary to an unreached people in the New Hebrides in the late 1800s. And whilst he was a missionary, his wife died, his child died. And then one day there was a violent uprising on this island. And as part of this violent uprising, men came to come and kill him. And he had to go to a guy who he just wasn't even sure that he could trust to ask for his help, because he was the only person he felt could get him off the island. And this guy said to him, yeah, listen, I will help you. Go and hide in a tree and wait till morning. And I will send my son to you and we will get you off the island. So he went and hid in this tree, not knowing whether this guy was really for him, against him. And he writes this. The hours I spent in that tree live as all before me as though it was yesterday. I heard frequent gunfire and the yells of savages, knowing that I might die at any time. Yet I sat there amongst the branches as safe in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly in my soul than when the moonlight flickered amongst those chestnut leaves. If it to be to glorify my God, I will not grudge to spend many nights alone in such a tree and feel again my Saviour's presence and to enjoy his consoling fellowship as I did in those moments. When you're suffering for Jesus and his kingdom, the King Jesus draws near. Jesus said, as Cathy did read, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.10. What Kathy and Open Doors brings us is not only the mature knowledge that persecution will be a part of our faith and God's kingdom, but that we need not fear it. Because when it comes, the one we're pursuing with all our might will come as well, with all his blessing in those moments finally this story teaches us one very important thing for us as Western Christians was that where we have power to do so we should help those being persecuted we should take note of them and help them I want you to just draw you to verse 17 here where I'm going to draw this out. For the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commended them. But let the male children here live. Do you know the midwives in this story? The midwives are the absolute heroes of this story. Defying the most powerful man in the land because they feared God more. What they did here was they used what little power they had, what little authority they had, to help those who had none. To shield, to encourage, and to protect the most vulnerable people in this from the full weight of the persecution at great personal risk. And had Pharaoh not bought their excuse, who would have known what happened to them? So the the gospel message, I know you all know it well, is this, that whilst we were oppressed and trapped in our sin and separation from God, hopeless, bound for death, that God remembered us. And because he had the power to intervene and loved us so, he did so at great personal cost, sending his only son to die for us, that we might be freed from that oppression. Here the midwives are a picture of Jesus. The midwife's story here, they sacrifice officially gave of themselves to help the oppressed because they had power to do so. How should we from our Western seat respond? <clears throat> How should we, when we're not the one being oppressed, respond? The Bible simply says, like the midwives and Jesus, to take their example and remember them and where you have some power to help those who are oppressed because of their faith, help. Hebrews 13, 3, which Kathy already remembers, says this. Remember those who are in prison. As though in prison... With them and those who are mistreated, since you are also one body, remember them as though it was you in prison. They're part of the same body of Christ. Remember them. Do you know, I felt so, even though it's just a very short one, I felt so deeply challenged when preparing this talk. How, how much thought, how much time in prayer How much help do I actually give brothers and sisters in other countries who are undergoing the worst sort of persecution? How much am I like those midwives? And how much do I stand up for those who suffer and have shame in our country or do I join in, in writing them off? Truth be told, I am not very qualified to do this talk before you today. Not very much how much is this really a part of my faith experience not a lot and actually if it wasn't for cathy and what she brings about open doors it would honestly be a lot less despite it being clear as day as i look at the bible that it should make a part of my faith up that it it is a part of god's heart Why is today and a focus on persecution and Kathy's heart and open doors so important to us as a church? Because let's face it, if you are anything like me, we get so wrapped up in ourselves and our own problems and our frustrations and our busyness that we forget to stop. Lift our head and ask where we can be like the midwives and Jesus in this, where we can pray and help. So this is it today, and a focus on persecution is so important because the Lord wants us to have a mature faith that understands persecution will be a part of it, but not to fear that because He's told us there will be His blessing and presence in it, and He wants to challenge us, and He wants to challenge you. Help, pray, write a letter speak to Kathy, get some material. That's why it's so important. He wants us to capture some of this heart, not just say, oh, that's Kathy's thing, but to let it infuse into us as a church and be a part of our expression of him.